dedicated to the world of power where I review and break down the latest episode in the Powerverse. We are brought to you by Private Listed, your source for all things music, sports, culture, and entertainment. Hit us up at PBTLSTD or hit me directly at Kimi Cakes on IG. Now, if you are new here, And I should let you know that we have a new podcast channel. We are no longer just operating under my moniker and private listed. We have a new podcast page. It is called at Chronicles of Power. So you can direct all of your questions and your predictions there. You can be your source for all things power. Uh, Don't forget that we are also on YouTube and subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you can know when new episodes and interviews drop from the podcast. I'm your host, Kimi, and today we have a very special guest with us today. He has been on the show before. He is the creator, founder, and power extraordinaire, Mr. Sam from Power is Fire. Clap it up for Mr. Sam. So he'll be here with me today breaking down episode one, the premiere episode of season two, book four, Force. Episode 201, titled Tommy's Back, directed by Rob Hardy, written by Mr. Gary Lennon. Now, before we start breaking down the episode, let's just get into a little bit of news. We have premiere dates, ladies and gentlemen. In case you do not follow us, or Sam for that matter, uh, or if you've been under a rock, the release date for Raising Canaan and BMF have both been released Raising Canaan will be back December 1st, 2023. BMF will be returning March 1st, 2024. We are hoping that Ghosts will follow, but they haven't announced P-Valley yet. So I'm waiting to see what they do with the lineup there. If they're going to keep going with power or if they're just going to inject P-Valley and then uh, ghosts will come. So we'll see what happens. There's only a few weeks break between Force and Raising Canaan. I believe Force ends November 18th or the week that November 18th falls. And then uh, Raising Canaan comes on December 1st. So you'll have your your break, like a two week break, because you'll have Thanksgiving and then Raising Canaan comes. Any comments, Sam? Nothing yet. <laughs> All righty. So, questions to consider while thinking about this episode. And we'll do a scene by scene breakdown. We, I'll try to be as detailed as we can possibly be. And one of the things that I've gotten after watching this episode is a lot of people just ask, you know, how did you feel about it? Overall, Sam, how did you feel about the episode? Uh, I think it was like a 9.1. 9.1? 9.1 out of 10? Yeah, definitely. Okay, why 9.1? Uh, it was a great uh, start to the season. It was it was pretty action-packed. Um, I felt like they killed off the bad storylines. Um, and, you know, I just feel like the characters is like like kind of like, you know, in their place now. Like, like they're not... In season one, I feel like a lot of the reason why a lot of people didn't like Force is because number one, people are impatient. So they don't like character development, character build up, because the only characters we really kind of knew going into Force were it was really Tommy. And Liliana, you could kind of say, but we didn't really know her. It was more like she was in a, a couple episodes, but that was it. Yeah. Um, 
I agree that yeah. I mean she was a familiar face, but we don't really know her, and it was a whole new band of character characters. Excuse me, uh, something similar that's hap- that I believe happened with Raising Canaan, whereas a lot of people feel like it's a slow burn, like it's a really long walk for a drink of water. But um, I think going forward with this season, we have developed enough of the characters to have some familiarity with them so that when they start introducing newer ones, like what's happening right now with this episode, I think we're already used to them and the story will continue to build. Now, I do have some questions that I want to ask you and even just people who listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. If Tommy was a real person, how would you think he would be able to operate in real life? Because think of how many people he has lost within this short time frame, right? There has been Holly, Keisha, Lakeisha, excuse me, Ghost, Gloria, Liliana. If Tommy was a real person and he had and he had to move through the world that he's moving through in the dynamics that he has around him, how do you think he would handle this as a real person? The same way he handling it now. I feel like people don't give Tommy enough credit because, like, a killer, a killer like Tommy, which actually, which is crazy, because Tommy's on his forty ninth kill right now. His next kill, when it, whoever his next kill is, will be his fiftieth kill. Cool, child. So Chewie right. is forty nine. Chewie is forty nine. His Alrighty. next kill is number fifty. Then, oh, wow, I wonder who fifty is going to be. So, here's something that I thought about Tommy. Mm-hmm especially as it relates to the character and if this if he was a real person Tommy would be like he's a scary person and he's a boogeyman within the power verse but i think that there is probably going to be a darker descent into how dark he gets as time goes on only because of the timeline that this has all happened. And I thought he would be a little bit more scary in this first episode. He's still funny, Tommy, like that dry humor and still, still ready to kill. But I thought his grieving scene of Liliana would be a little bit more in depth. And I thought that he would be walking around with more of a chip on his shoulder, but you know, I'll wait till, you know, episode two to see how this develops. Also question number two, what well, I, I would... didn't finish that question. Oh, well, you didn't, didn't finish. finish. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah. Go, go, so, go again. So the reason I, I mentioned his kills is because in real life he has to basically be as ruthless as he is. He has to literally kill his way to the top, which is what I think he's kind of doing. Uh, which is kind of the point of of the, the title being forced, is he's forcing his way in. You know what I mean? Other, but he kind of didn't in a sense because he he kind of. I feel like Tommy did it the right way. He 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 kind of locked in with with the gangs and and who was in charge of what gang and tried to kind of build with them and um and kind of in, interpret himself into the right gang. Yeah, um, like so. The, I don't think that that's really my question. I think my question is like not not in terms of how he was able to set up shop in Chicago, like moving from New York to Chicago. My my question is more so centered around his psyche while doing all of this, right? Yeah, like, how is he managing? How is his like mental health? Checking. Why is it he using more drugs? Like, we saw what happened uh, when he had to contemplate killing ghosts. Like, he was, 
using the butt of the gun to scratch, to dig holes into the windowsill. He started, he went on a cocaine binge. And right now, considering that Ghost is dead, Liliana has died. Keisha has died. He lost his relationship and connection to Cash. And he, he, he has been through so much. So, and now he's found out that maybe, maybe the reason why he's able to not dive off the deep end the way how I thought he would is possibly because of the Family. the introduction of JB yeah. and the the thought of having an actual nephew, like a blood nephew. So maybe those are the things that are saving him. But these are just me just thinking through it. Those um, are also hindering him as well. Yeah. They're kind of making him a little soft. Mm-hmm. making him a little soft and that they're giving him a liability. But let's get to question two because we do have to stay on target with timing. So question two, and this one is about Tommy too, but it it's centered around Kate. And this is actually, this I thought of this when I saw a post from you. I think it was asking who was the MVP of the episode. And I remember answering Kate, but it also made me think of what would it have been like for Tommy if Kate was, as involved with Tommy as she is with her grandson and possibly wasn't fighting addiction. Um, you saying like how, how would her character be? Like if Tommy had this version of Kate when he was a child, do you think we would still see the same Tommy? No, not at all. And I, and I say that because I feel like that kind of, also made Tommy a little bit more um a little bit more ruthless because he didn't he never really got that attention from his mom kind of like how Kane gets that attention from Monet on and off you know what I'm saying but they have a better relationship than than Kate and Tommy have Hmm. um well here's what I was thinking and you and and I know you're gonna have a good response for this I think Tommy may have been at risk of still finding himself in the trouble that he is in or finding himself with the same people only because I remember specifically Kate saying that Ghost and Tommy were raised as brothers. So even if Kate wasn't addicted to drugs and she paid more attention, he still had the influence of Kanan, Breeze, and ghosts around him. Now, I don't know how strong of an influence Kate would have had on him, even without having an addiction problem, considering all of the male figures in his life. And we can look at, because Breeze is older than them, right? And he Tommy still didn't have his dad. Yeah. So Until I, I wonder... Grown. Would he have still like if she was able to pay more attention? Would it have even made a difference? I, I think it would have made it a, a small difference. Um, but but again, with with their relationship as rocky as it was, and honestly, I think him kind of giving her drugs was just him like kind of connecting to her because maybe that's the only way that they connected. Yeah, I I I, I agree that that's but, their that's their bond. But not <laughs> anymore. With with her in the episode turning down the drugs, I don't know if if Tommy Tom I think Tommy's now really realizing that she really has changed. Everybody everybody in the comments everybody's saying that Kate is sick. I don't I don't think it's that, but you know whatever. I think she's just really tired or whatever because she was like um, 
helping out DMAC and, you know, cleaning his, his wounds and all that. So she's been just up watching him all day. So I don't think it's, I don't think she's actually sick. But if anything happens to Kate, it's over. Tommy's out of here. That, that is fall off the cliff. That's Game it. The world is going to burn if something yeah. happens to her. Yeah, he still okay. loves his mother, but I just feel like their relationship is just different. And I felt like that's how he connected with her. So now that he don't connect with her like that, he can actually have a real relationship with Kate compared to how he's ever had one with her because she's mm. been so kind of strung out on a drug so long that it's kind of like that's all he knows. He don't know this Karen Kate with the exception of how she cared for ghosts mm. because Good she point. cared for ghosts. Like, like that was his own, like that was her own son. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 kind of it's kind of weird because he, he you know it's but Tommy is not like the jealous type where it's it's like Kane and how you know uh, she is with Tariq, well how how Monet is with Tariq. It's not like that. Like it's more of a thing where you know you know he he realizes that she treats that she treated Ghost better, but it's more along the lines of like, but I still love my mom. Yeah. Okay. It's not the All same. Right. Is mm. yeah. So. I don't think you and I have ever spoken about this before. And guys, we speak to each other. We used to speak to each other more, but we speak to each other a lot. And we finally got to meet in person. Let's go. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We didn't even tell everybody. Yes. But we met in person <laughs> and we had a good time. We had dinner and we had, he drank water and we had tequila. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, this person, right? So last season, Jannard left a bad taste in my mouth, right? And I think that he has rubbed people the wrong way. Shout out to Jannard. <laughs> Shout out to Jannard. I love Jannard. You know, I do too. I, I, and I think I'm getting, I, I think that I have a better understanding of Jannard now after the interview that we did with Isaac Keys, because mm-hmm. prior to that, I didn't see Jannard's side of it. Or at least I, I don't think I took it into full consideration the way how I should have. Like I understood he what why he was upset, but I didn't really delve deeper into it. So here's the question. Are you able to see Jannard's side of the coin now? No, now that we see all that he has to contend with. I'm and able to see it from the jump. Well, a lot of people don't understand why he tried to kill his brother. So and a, and a lot of people they don't find Jannard to be a sympathetic character cuz like look at all of the stuff Jannard is going through right now right Jannard Jannard is literally our tour guide through Chicago he has touches everywhere he has people in CBI which is what we saw when Chewie came back over mm-hmm. he has ties with Flynn by going to Claudia to go ask her to bankroll his endeavors. He has ties to the Serbs because he tried to trade off property, uh, not property, territory with them. And then he also has ties to Miguel. So he he literally did the Dora the Explorer for us or the Mr. Rogers neighborhood because he knows everyone, has touches everywhere. And he was the one that was running this for the past 15 years while Diamond was in prison. So I hope now that people can be a little bit more 
sympathetic to him and why he is frustrated with, I'm trying not to laugh because you're making faces. Is someone talking to you? <laughs> no, you don't. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me get back. Let me get serious. I wonder if people are more empathetic to Gennard now and his yeah. plight. They hate, they hate Gennard even more. Why? But I, but I understand. I understand why Gennard did what he did. Um, and that's why I don't really hate his character. Do I think he had a very horrible and rough start to the first uh, episode? Yes. Terrible. It, it, he, a very, very bad episode for Gennard. But, but overall, I think that his character arc, you got to understand from his uh, perspective. That's why I say people should go back and watch season one over again. So Gennard, like you said, held CB, CBI down for 15 years. Jannar could have went somewhere. He actually could have went to college. He actually had scholarships. He had all that stuff situated. Um, but instead of him going and and living that dream, he then uh, decided to go and take on um, the leadership Titan's role. Dream. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so it was more like a thing where he kind of picked up where he left off and kept it in. Like you know how hard it is to keep up with a game for fifteen years. The- I could only imagine. Like, it has to be difficult. And not only is it just a gang, but it is a business. And it was a thriving business. Like, they, it was a million-dollar company. And he has had to keep this company afloat without the help of his older brother, who knew how things ran. And he had to build relations with all of the people that we mentioned. And then to turn around and have your brother released from prison and to think that he's just going to assume the role that he had almost two decades prior is almost insulting, right? And then one of the things that, uh, that say it that again, that. because because like Janar Janar looked at it two ways, right? He said, just in case if my brother comes home and he only wants to go about it the, the legal route, then he could do that. I'm gonna buy him a barbershop so that when he comes home, he has everything that he needs to make money on the side. In case that's what he wants to do on the side, if he wants to come back to CBI, he could also do that. But it was more like a thing where like. He has to also realize that, you know, the, these youngins, these, these, these soldiers, they, they, they look, they look to me to make the decision because I've been in charge for the last 15 years. So you have to slowly, slowly, but surely kind of work your way into that, you know? Right. Um, so, so that's where I, I was like going. Diamond, didn't, Diamond and, and, and I, I, even with that, I still think they could have kind of made it work and Diamond slowly, but surely kind of, you know, pick up to where, uh, you know, get back to where he was as far as leadership. But, um, but Diamond's worst decision was actually linking up with Tommy. Because yes, I feel that's, like that's where the split happens. Yeah, because Janar now feels like, okay, well, now you're trying to kind of tell me, you know, how to run a, a game that I operated for 15 years and, and made buco amounts of money uh, off of. Um, and, and technically speaking, I think before Diamond even went to jail, he had that whole situation where it was the bad outbreak or whatever. Yeah. Right. So like, like he wasn't in the best, he wasn't really leading in the best way before he even got locked up. And that's probably why, how he got locked up. Um, you know, unless we find out later that somebody set him up, I don't know, whatever. But yeah. So, so that part, I, I have questions about that, but we'll tackle that another day because we have a lot of stuff to get over. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Let me see. All right. So let's go through what we know now. So here's what we know. It's been two days since Liliana was killed. We open up with Tommy hearing Liliana's voice and we hear the make them suffer part from Liliana. And we talk about Kate refusing the cocaine and she's really good with her grandson and seems to even be bonding with JB too. So JB. JP. Is it P? JP. Yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. JP, and in my notes, I keep writing JB, but you know what? This is my fault because I didn't <laughs> put my closed captioning on to watch the episode. And you know how it labels everyone's names? <laughs> so, and I had a problem with someone else's name, but hopefully you'll correct me. So, JP, uh, the son, uh, D Mac, right? Uh, and Tommy, they all seem to be, and Kate, excuse me, they all seem to be under one roof living happily <laughs> as a family. <laughs> but uh, JP, he asked something kind of weird, considering that we know that it's only been two days. He asked Tommy if he misses Liliana. And I'm like, bro, it's been two days. Of course he misses her. He's trying to avenge her at this point. So Tommy, do-do-do-do-do, he leaves the house now. He's like, oh, Liliana, yes, I got something to do. So he goes to find a Flynn associate. <laughs> and then he he threatens the Flynn associate, stabs the Flynn associate in the mouth after getting the information that he needs out of them for uh, trying to figure out where they're being, where they're holed up at, right? So where the family is. Which and, I felt was a little unnecessary. I felt like, like, Tommy, you had already got the information that you needed. Why do we need to kill him? Yeah. yeah but, it, but it's Tommy, so I, oh, I so let wait. it go because it's Tommy. Wait, so you counted that as a kill too, right? Absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was like, was he dead? Was yeah, he dying? 40, that, was, that was 48. Okay, okay, okay. That was 48. All right. So he goes there. He he does his 48th kill. And after the 48th kill, we do hear some music. And I did want to give a shout out to the music director because this was the perfect song choice. They it's, um, for paid off, Fabio, it's Rowdy Rebel and Fabio Foreign. I was like, oh my gosh, good choice here. I, I, yeah, I jumped up and down actually when I heard that song. But anyway, we move forward. And did Tommy get, after he leaves the apartment, where do we go next? I think they do the meetup with CBI. So Diamond has a meetup with CBI to tell them not to mess with Jannard. So everything is being split right now. They bust out the map. God knows the last time when anyone has ever seen a paper map. Uh, so, but you know, Di- we have to keep in mind that Diamond has been in prison for the past 15 years. So he's still going to be moving a little bit differently. So he busts out the old paper map that we used to have in school on the chalkboard or on the whiteboard. And he busts down the territories of the Chicago neighborhoods that CBI is in charge of. And uh, now what is, <laughs> what uh, is Janar's cruise? Treason. Treason. I hate that name. <laughs> I just want to say, I hate it. Yeah, I don't right. like it. I, I like right. CBI better though. I do like CBI. Uh, I do like CBI, but maybe it's because I'm used to it, but I don't like that it's called treason. Like he should just, moving on, treason. So treason and CBI, we split the territories down. They start, Tommy changes the prices of the key. So instead of it being 34, it's now 31. Jannard is having the same conversation with his people and trying to rile them up saying, you know, this is our crew. We're going to be here. You guys are going to be working for me. Nobody better go over to CBI. And then Chewie decides to chime in. (laughs) Sometimes I kind of feel like these people don't know their audience. Like if you see that diamond is rocking with the white boy. Like you call him, right? You see he's rocking with him. You think this is the 
best time for you to pull him aside and say, hey, why are we doing this? Don't you think that we should have let at least a day or a week pass or get him all alone besides when 20 other people are around, especially when he's in the room? But nope. Well, nope. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm sure the writer set that up so that it, it would be a no-brainer and no shock that he switched sides and that he also was going to be killed. I think, like, we kind of felt that immediately when he did that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah I, knew, I knew he was only going to be there maybe one episode. Especially after that. Once <laughs> Tommy jumped off the table, I was like, yep, he's going to be a goner. <laughs> but I do have a question about the scene with uh, Tommy and Diamond and everybody splitting up the territories and, you know, them changing the price for the key. How careful Bishop Sampson is being. Like, I feel like Diamond is moving like a pastor right now. And I get it, guys. Please don't don't come harassing me. I understand. He is on parole. But right now, he is the cautious drug dealer. And he doesn't want to have too many eyes on him. But he's still with Tommy. And he doesn't really know him like that. So my question for everyone out there is, why the hell does he trust Tommy like this? Uh, well, I think it's more of a, um, having a, a, a really good and reliable number two where he knows Tommy could kind of, you know, move things and get stuff done. Um, but at the same time, Tommy don't have the army and Tommy don't have the soldiers. So he kind of needs CBI in that aspect. And then when it comes to like, just being able to like, kind of run things when you're not there, that's where, where Diamond needs Tommy. So they, they work really good hand in hand, but I think they're going to be, I think Tommy's going to be a hindrance on Diamond because obviously uh, Miguel don't like him. <laughs> well, not yet. We'll see. I think well, Tommy well, yeah, as is going to. As far as we've seen, he don't yeah. trust Tommy. He don't know Tommy. So it's like, why are you trusting this guy so much? Like, I don't know. It's something about him, but, um, but you know, we ultimately know what, what Tommy wants to do, which, you know, I, I feel like you know, will eventually happen. But so then uh, you bring, you brought up a good point. This was my next uh, bullet point that I wanted to raise. (sighs) Tommy and diamonds. They're our new odd couple, right? One is very demure and the other one is very rah, rah. But Tommy brings up the suggestion that he wants to meet the connect who happens to be Miguel. And Diamond is very, very apprehensive about this. Rightfully so, right? You don't want to bring... Say that again. He knows how Miguel is. Yeah, he knows how Miguel is. And, you know, when we meet Miguel, it's not a pretty scene. But, you know, we'll hold off on that because the next scene is actually when Walter meets up with Brendan Doyle. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, Sam, I'm going to let you explain who Brendan Doyle is. He's from Dublin. He's from the yeah. Dublin crew. So Brendan Doyle, I didn't know his name, but but Brendan Doyle, I think, is uh, one of the sons of one of the four horsemen, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one, one, out of, one of the four horsemen had a son, and uh, now the son has now, because they kill all four of them, now he has now taken over for the whole organization, mm-hmm. um, pretty much. So he is the the boss now. So, yeah, so that's a good explanation. So Doyle is now strong-arming Flynn because 
he has a he has a price to pay. After all of those people died when they came out there, when the four men in the ap- apocalypse decided to come to Chicago to help with this uh, pending war with Tommy, they all got killed uh, in the bang out. And now Doyle is there to collect. And now that he smells blood in the water, he is definitely going to seize this opportunity to try to probably push Flynn out of the position that he holds in Chicago. Uh, necessarily push him out. He's just taking advantage of the moment. He's just like, well, I just lost my four best hitters. You got to pay for that because the whole goal was supposed to be you come, they come down, they handle business and then they go back, you know, Mm. but I guess they couldn't, I guess, I don't know whether whether it was a situation where he couldn't guarantee the uh, four horsemen's safety or, or what, but to go down and, and, and have them come and basically come down and do a favor. It's not like he paid for them to come down and do that. You know, they kind of came, they made the call, they came down, they did the favor, and he's lost all four of his best hitters now. Finito. So now, we'll see We'll see I, what happens. I, I, I feel like he's trying to take over Flynn's spot, or like, he. you can tell that they definitely don't like each other, especially his parting words, like, I'm not my father. You had an agreement with him. Yeah. He lost, we he are lost not the same. Yet. In the, in the shovel. So it's more like, I, I wish I pray. I don't know why. I just wanted to know what that number was that he asked for. Oh. Because <laughs> I know how Flint, because uh, I was watching uh, Moda J. He went live the other day. He's another uh, content creator or whatever. And uh, he was saying, like, damn, I wonder how much that was, like, that was on that paper. <laughs> and I'm like, because, but, but he was saying it had to be somewhere upwards of, Maybe maybe two million or three million each for each for each of the four horsemen. Yeah, because I can't see it being like a million dollars or two or three million dollars. Because because he come on, Walter has that. So it, it had to be a number that he was like, damn, I gotta really dig deep to find this money. Yeah, especially when what's what's Walter's right hand man's name? Uh, Paulie. Is his name Paulie? Okay, because when he came back and was like, hey, these books ain't matching up with that number. Right, like, it had to be a crazy number. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, the so book's this- not lying. He must ask for like 10, 15 million or something. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Flynn, uh, we do see Victor. Victor is drinking. He has a similar scene to Tommy where he's mourning and, you know, thinking about revenge for Gloria. Uh, he knows that his dad did it. <laughs> so now he has to contend with how do I. Avenge Gloria and gain revenge on my dad. And he is clearly in a pickle here because not only is he mourning Gloria, he has now gotten into bed with his sister, not in the Cersei and Jamie way from Game of Thrones, but like now they they are going to become business partners. And we know that that is not going to last long. I mean, they didn't even make it out of the first episode as business partners. But... Uh, it's not shocked at all. <laughs> not shocked. <laughs> But besides Vic and his morning, uh, we do get to see Diamond meet with his new parole officer and the threat of parole being revoked and possibly being placed back to, in prison is now hovering over his head. We find out that the old PO was fired for being on the CBI payroll. <laughs> Diamond cannot have any alcohol. He must find work and he cannot find, he, excuse me, he cannot have any contact with other felons. 
I feel like he has a bit, he, like he's, he's a little trapped here. Granted, we don't know if Tommy is a felon. Actually, I don't think he's a felon at all. He, he has had, they said that he had, uh, charges, but anything that they tried to stick on him, it, it never stuck. Like he was on trial for a felony, but he wasn't convicted. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he don't have a felony, but he is definitely a criminal. And no, he he's definitely, definitely has a, a out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, so, I don't think he caught a felony, no. No, he did not catch a felony. But one of the the um, the restrictions on his parole was that he cannot have contact with other felons. But we don't know who else is in CBI besides, you know, obviously that, that could be considered to be a felon. And That's the, the one thing I don't like about Force. What? They need to dive deeper into who the members of CBI are. Yeah. They that, all that, just that seem like me. extras. <laughs> they just Yeah, but it's just like I feel like but but that's that's how you develop characters. And then like even with the whole situation where Marshall and, and D Mac are no longer in the organization, I I just feel like that was a missed opportunity. Because ah, then the story of which, ran through them. Because we started with them. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see Marshall this episode. Correct. My yeah. boy Marshall got to come back. Shout out to Marshall. <laughs> right. Okay. So next that's the up. Future, we... That's the future of Force. That's the spinoff, in my opinion. Oh, God. You are so OD. <laughs> Marshall. Okay. But. Marshall, um, yeah. Marshall and, and D-Mac. Absolutely. Let me get, let me get two more seasons out of them first before I start making those type of predictions. Okay. Because I, at right, right now we're still trying to get to know. Diamond and Jannard, like let's get to know these people first before I start thinking of the youngins. Granted, D Mac has aged so much since we first saw him in the first season of uh Force. And right. when I saw him uh, the other day on Instagram, I was like, Oh my god, I can't believe he got this much older so quickly. But whatever the case is, after uh Diamond meets with the parole officer, we see that Tommy does find Flynn. But he isn't able to take the shot. And it's, it wouldn't be power if someone wasn't hiding behind a car in broad daylight with a gun and pointing it at someone in the middle of the street. It wouldn't be power. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> but he doesn't take the shot. And I'm very happy he doesn't take the shot. No one sees him. There's no passerbys on the street. And he he blows his opportunity to kill Flynn because Paulie gets out the car, Flynn walks in, and it looks like they're going because did it run continuous? I think they were just going up to Claudia's apartment, right? Yeah. yeah. So they they were they ended up going up to Claudia's apartment, and then that is where Walter has his Monet sit down with his children. Like, listen, I know that I do effed up shit to y'all at every turn, but we are family. And we are drug dealing, crime organization family. I'm going to do things just to protect you. Okay? You may not understand why I'm making these decisions. But trust me, they are for your own benefit. (laughs) I can understand, Walter. Oh, my God. Walter is all. Tommy Egan. But he goes on to explain. <laughs> he took out the targets that were on both of their backs, right? I I don't know how he do that did that because Tommy is still alive. 
right? Right. Like, so that's, that's the main target. What the hell was he talking about? I, I, had to, I was like, I cannot wait to talk to somebody about this so that we can be like, what? what is he talking about? I have no and, clue. He didn't do shit. He didn't do nothing. All y'all did was have a bang out and you got four pe- four of your own people killed that Literally, came in you, to help the you. The four horsemen had no chance. So what makes you think? They, they had no chance against one man. So what makes so you think that, like, yeah, yeah, game. He, he, when you really think about it, Tommy has killed mad at his people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the plan. Daddy took care of Dublin, right? So big coffin ass daddy took care of Dublin. <laughs> he coughed in like the last four episodes. No, well, one. He he coughed in episode nine. That was by the fireplace, right? When he was by the fireplace and he nearly passed out. I think so. Either eight or nine. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, because, like, literally the last three episodes, he ain't coughed one time. Yeah, because when he went to go kill, when they played that um, King Vaughn song, when he went to go kill the Serbs, who did he go kill? Uh, He went to go kill the Serbs that shot at Vic. Right. So he went to go. That whole thing is so confusing. So confusing because I'm like, you didn't you pay like, them okay, to go do that? Yeah, like he, you paid the Serbs to go do that. They never show that, but they show Tommy paying off the Serbs. So why they couldn't just show him paying off the Serbs to go kill Gloria? And then I'm like, why would you pay them to to shoot and be that close to Vic? But then, I, but then when when they when he confronted him about it like oh you was the one that set it up he don't deny it so it's just like bro what I, it just makes no sense to me it's just like like did he or or did he not like obviously it was kind of confirmed but it wasn't but i'm like why would why would the serves aim at gloria but shoot at vic vic gets hit and damn near dies mm, you know what I mean? if the bullet would have went a little bit further to the right vic dead <laughs> so that's why I'm just like, okay, they was aiming at both of them in the car. So maybe that was the situation. Maybe I guess they maybe maybe Walter was mad because they, he paid him to do a job and his son almost died in the process. Yeah, but they don't you told them to go kill this bitch. That's what they was going to go do. You didn't say, hey, get her by her I, well, at least we don't know because they didn't show us. They didn't say Get her by herself. She's going to be working here at this time. Go find her in a back alley. No, they said, just get her. And that's what they did. They got her. She did. They Job accomplished. But yes, they did shoot at his son. Um, yeah. So that's Tommy's the only reason I can see loose. him, you know, <laughs> reacting like how he did. But I, it, that shit is weird to me. I'm just like, and then like the Serbs know that Walter came in and did that. Mm-hmm. I was Walter still walking around freely. Yeah. But they like, beat they... Gennard. This shit is crazy to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, like, what? So, so here's what we learned from this. The parents in the Powerverse have a weird way of loving on their children. We know that they've been avoiding him, obviously, because he killed Gloria. And he is consistently giving his daughter penis envy. Like, he's, he's trying so hard to make Vic into the person that he wants him to be. But sees that Vic can't do it. And now he's probably, he's going to hand the torch over to Claudia, who is dying to, for this opportunity to show her like, Hey, I could be like one of the boys. Right. I don't see, I don't understand. Like, okay. So I don't think Vic is, it's not that Vic is not ready, 
Because I think Vic is Vic is also a shooter. Vic Vic is also very good. I just think that he just he just like kind of diamond. He just needs a solid number two. And why they haven't given him that, I'm not sure. Or maybe that that's what it was. Uh, that's what it is going to take with the whole Claudia and him splitting. Maybe he's going to find somebody new. They should introduce a new number two that's going to be very like complimentary of Vic. Vic is not staying on that side. Vic may go. He might go. He might just go work with Diamond. And that's and exactly what Vic is going to do. He. He is done with his sister, okay? His father done killed the love of his life. He's over this. It's finished. Like, Vic, Vic don't want no parts of these Irishmen, okay? He's finished. Done with them. So, uh, we'll see how that develops. I know it's only episode one, and we're getting into predictions, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But let's keep going throughout some of the scenes. So... Oh, here's the storyline that is annoying me, but I, I understand why it happens. <laughs> Claudia goes Dahlia. to pay the chemist a visit. Oh, she right. wants Dahlia to be back out on the streets by tomorrow. And the chemist still still wants to get out of their deal because obviously she is not cut out for this life. This lady is not a drug dealer. She is a fucking scientist. She probably went to 85 years of school she don't want to do none of this okay but claudia is bullying her to stay stay on because her business outside of her father hinges on her ability to have a product that no one else has so she bullies the chemist the chemist still is there and then eventually like i'm just gonna skip ahead and just say how it ends for the chemist she's it they leak that the compound the the compound for Dahlia online. And now Dahlia is completely rendered useless and she comes back and she kills the chemist. And that is their way of telling us that Dahlia is no longer in the storyline. They have killed off the Dahlia storyline. And by killing the chemist, that is what this, this means. I hated that they killed I, the chemist. I do not like that at all. I feel like, okay, this is how I would have played. If I was a writer, this is how I would have played it. Dahlia um is Dahlia, right? And then mm-hmm. you got the bootleg Dahlia that 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 Tommy and then was trying to make so that it, it kind of has the same thing, but it's cheaper, right? So I would have made it so that it was a really bad outbreak on the bootleg version. Mm. And now they have no choice but to either cut it or or you know just go on and sell the regular Dahlia. But it, it had such an impact around the city where people was literally dropping dead. Like that's where that's where I would have went with the storyline. Yeah, uh, like something. But that, I think that they did that in Raising Canaan, and maybe that's why they don't want to do it again. I guess, but or, or even if it's not dead, like even if it's like people just start like, um, like they foaming at the mouth or they have seizures or something, like where it's like constantly a bunch of people was in the hospital, and, and that could have also kind of incorporated into when DMAC was in the hospital too, like where people are. Mad people in the hospital uh, because they're suffering from all these issues with the Dahlia. And then DMAC is trying to get in. I think that's that would have been a good way to play it. I, that's how I would have played it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But. Yeah. <laughs> so moving. So Dahlia is done. But let's <laughs> let's let's find a new bar. Let's fi- let's find something else. So speaking of uh, family business. Right. And uh, making your own way. Tommy 
makes an offering similar to what Jannard did for Diamond, Tommy buys a bar for JP, and now they have a family business. Suggests that D mate, excuse me, D Mac and uh, Kate come and work there too. <laughs> you just got to install some cameras with Kate being there, though. That's all. That's all he said. That's just a little little tidbit. <laughs> but here is where I like. I was about to yank all the hair out of my head. While they're inside talking about and having their little bonding moment and receiving this gift, the FBI hustles on over and decides to dust Tommy's car handle for prints. (laughs) In broad daylight. (laughs) In broad daylight, the FBI comes on over. And this, this is a newer character. I know the actress's name. Her name is Karen Rodriguez, but I don't know what her what her agent name is yet um, no, or what CIA, her character right? name is. She's Say CIA. it again. She's CIA, right? I think she she's CIA and then uh, whatever Brian Keys uh, uh, or Brian um, character name is, he's FBI. So I think they're coming together and then whatever Stacey Marks is, I don't even know. So Stacy Stacy Marks, she is FBI too, and uh, yes, Vargas, who is played by Brian Keys, he is FBI as well. Now, last season, he was supposed to be the head agent. I thought that Stacy was supposed to be under him. They kind of make it seem like he's like an extra now. I I I don't understand what's happening with the dynamics here. I'm glad that you pointed out that that lady was CIA because I I couldn't tell you what the power dynamics are at this point. Um, right, so it, it would have made sense to me if like uh, Stacy Marks was like, whatever is ahead of the both, both of the two. And then Brian keys is representing the FBI. And then the new lady, uh, which is her name was Karen or her, her name is her real name is Karen Rodriguez. What's her character name? I have no idea. Oh, right. So, so if that that's, character that's what is I was trying CIA, to tell you earlier. There was, they, they're there coming people- together to now figure this out. Okay. Yeah. There were people that I didn't know their names, uh, because I didn't have on the closed caption and, you know, in closed caption, when someone talks, they'll put their name. So yeah, her name, I couldn't figure out. And then when I was looking for it online, I think that I just got stuck and couldn't find it. And I said, you know, I'll wait till pull it up on IMDb. But anyway, she does the car for, for fingerprints. And this is how they find out who Tommy is. They get back to their meeting room and they say that this person is a ghost. He was reported as dead in New York. And now he's back out on the streets of Chicago causing mayhem because he has, according to Stacey Martz, he has ties to everyone. He has ties to CBI. He has ties to the Flynn's. I don't remember if she said... Oh, and her name the, is Clarissa, by the way. Her name is Clarissa. Good. Thank you okay. so much. So Clarissa is the CIA agent. Mm-hmm. That's who we were talking about earlier, guys. Her her real name is Karen Rodriguez. The actress's name is Karen Rodriguez. And her name on the show is Clarissa. And let's see. Uh, and this is how they tie. This is how they get to know that Tommy is still alive. I thought we were going to open up the episode with didn't we end last year with them going to New York and Blanca being introduced on force didn't Blanca make a guest appear appearance on force what happened to that they just left it 
I, I don't know if if uh, they're setting up something bigger. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think the crossover should be a movie, personally. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it should be a. Sh- I don't think it should be a show, or they should not intertwine until it's time to intertwine. That's a perfect movie. Okay. All right. But, Let's but move yeah, on. I, I think they just. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it seems a little bit weird. Um, and another thing Modot J2 brought up too while we had on the topic, uh, is that, uh, technically speaking, Cooper Sacks is still alive in this timeline. Yes, he is. And that will, that will be, now that will be the ideal crossover. But I mean, when, when we, when I interviewed, uh, Shane Johnson, who plays Cooper Sacks, I thought that that was the natural progression to move him out of New York because he is the one that is most familiar with Tommy. And instead of killing him off, they could have possibly utilized his character in Chicago. Whereas he just left um, working with uh, Method Man's character and j- just, they could have transitioned him better, but whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to dwell on that anymore. Even, even with them killing him off, it still would have been fine with him being in this season. Yeah. In this timeline. Yes. Right. Because, because technically speaking, we don't see him go into, uh, they were saying we don't, we won't see him go into New York city until season three. So like when he goes in New York and does all of that, that's in season three that we're going to see that. Wait, what? Yeah, we're not going to see that this season. He's not going to go to New York this season. Because you got to remember, by the time that all that happens, uh, like a whole damn near school year has went by and ghost. So this is over time. So we have to lead back up to that. So we won't see him go to New York till season three. And that'll probably be the start of that season. And then he goes from there. So obviously, we, we know Tommy still stays alive, clearly. But that's the start of season three is when he goes to New York. All right. Let, let, let's not go down a winding path because because I, I want to keep on target with our time. Um, right. I'm going to move through to Jannard. I actually wanted to spend some time on Jannard, and I know he annoys y'all, but please take note at how he moves through the community. We said this earlier. Everyone knows him from the man playing the saxophone on the park bench. I believe his name was Wayne, to former CBIers who were playing ball in the park. He is trying to get Chewie back on his side, and he successfully does so, even though Chewie ends up tricking him and being saying that he's only being charged, that he wants to be charged 26 for a key as opposed to the 31 that Diamond and Tommy offered. And now he is back in the good graces of Jannard. But the devil is, uh, is always in the details. So... Jannard has no issue with Chewie working with Diamond, but here's the incentive for him to come over to Treason, right? He charges him less uh, for the brick, and then plus he'll give him an extra 10% on whatever he makes. And Chewie learns a very valuable lesson here, that (laughs) in Jamaica we have a saying, it says, uh, Craven Choke Puppy. And meaning like when you're too greedy, you end up choking and this is what happens. He ends up by trying to finagle this deal with Gennard and switching sides from CBI to treason, pun intended, he ends up getting killed by Tommy. So I just, 
I have to laugh. But anyway, so we knew that he wasn't going to make it far in this episode. And Jannard had we we talked about this earlier where Jannard makes every move in Chicago. He shows us Claudia. He shows us the Serbs. I didn't like the scene where he got beat up by the Serbs, by the way. And he also goes to visit Miguel. Now, we didn't talk about when Diamond and Tommy went to visit Miguel. So maybe I'll backtrack a little bit on that. They go to visit him and Miguel is not impressed. We're in the middle of a torture scene and he speaks to Diamond. It seems like him and Diamond, they have a pretty good rapport with one another, especially uh, after Jannard meets up with Miguel to tell him that he doesn't have He's not going to have enough for the re-up. He's going to be a little light. Now, once he sees Diamond and Tommy, the he's off offense a little bit once they finally answer him. Like, hey, we have all of the money. We're actually going to ask you for double what you gave us the last time. And that kind of softens the blow a little bit with without giving the proper introduction or telling him beforehand that he is going to bring a guest with him. What's so funny is that when Jannard tries to come in with a guest, they completely shut it down. But Tommy, pun intended, forces his way in and is like, listen, I'm going in there whether you like it or not. And he ends up going in with Diamond, but he does get, you know, he does have to tuck his tail a little bit once he finally meets Miguel because Miguel says, you know, you need to go. You're here now. You came through the door, but you have to wait till I give the say-so. And now... Not only does Diamond have the responsibility of not hanging around felons and no alcohol and finding a job, he also has to keep tabs on Tommy because Miguel is not playing with either of them or any of them because he's not going to be playing with Jannard. He has already threatened Jannard's life. And right now, Tommy and Diamond are hanging on strings, even though they have made their payment and they are fine on the books. But if there are any fuck ups, we know that. Miguel is not playing. Just from the scene that we saw, how calm he was, how collected he was, like he's literally in the middle of torturing someone, just comes out, wipes his hand, not irrational, not filled with rage, just, hey guys, what's going on? (laughs) What do you need? How can I help you today? Any thoughts, Sam? Um, No, I I, I just feel like, I feel like, Power tries too hard to introduce plugs. <laughs> okay, same with Noma. Like Noma's first scene uh, no, is I, her no, chopping not doing off that today. arm. We not. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about Noma today. That was so right. annoying. <laughs> it was like it was. It was cool. You know, it was cool because you know for the action and whatnot. But I feel like that should have been something that was done in episode three. You know, just do a light introduction. Hey, this is the the connector, whatever, and like we know that, that they're connecting that they're scary, but like you, like we get it, like you know what I mean, like you're like you're trying to make this person look big and bad, but like well, there's no need for that. Yeah, you know. What I'm I saying? wish they would, they could replicate, or the, I wish they were able to reproduce what they did with Milan because Milan was scary without us seeing him do anything. Like he had ghosts under pressure. To an extent, but like remember when when Milan first comes on the scene, 
he's a regular schmegular security guard. He's just had oh, well, at least we think so. But right. they, they did speak of Milan in very scary ways, but we just never knew what he looked like. Correct. But that's what I'm saying. Like that, I feel like is a great introduction into it. It's slow. Yeah. It's a slow yep. burn. But Agreed. then you realize like, wait a second, this guy is really what? Like, <laughs> wait, huh? He's who? <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Fun I, fact. I, yeah. They could have did, they could have did that with Miguel. And I just feel like they just trying a little bit too hard to, uh, to, to, to make the, 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 the connect seem scary. And I don't like that. Yeah. And I do like I do like Miguel's character. I just think I do. it's too much. Yeah, it is too much, but I think they're they're trying to prove a point because they they do have to introduce other people who are a part of Miguel's team who are probably going to be more scary than than he is or more menacing than what he is because he did, does seem very calm. And once I found out that he was sick, I was like, "Oh, that that kind of explains it because once I saw that sh- uh Maria, who we also meet in this episode, who is uh, meets Tommy when Tommy is put on timeout in the back room. <laughs> we get to see her. She goes into the fridge for the penicillin to go inject into her brother later on. So that's another new character that we met. Uh, we also met Miguel this episode, who did a fantastic job. Also, I have a fun fact about Miguel. He actually wrote the Spanish in the episode. So you know how normally we have um we have this weird Spanish that they're speaking in <laughs> in the first iteration of power. So like there's no I'll give you an example. The dialect that they're speaking in right now, that is authentic Mexican Spanish. That that's there's different dialects. What they're speaking in New York, I don't know. I don't know if it's Dominican. I don't know if it's Puerto Rican. I think Angela's family is supposed to be Puerto Rican, but she doesn't look Puerto Rican. Paz definitely looks Puerto Rican. So, And they speak a different type of Spanish. So I was kind of excited to hear that Miguel, or the actor who plays Miguel, he actually wrote the Spanish for this season. And I was like, that is super duper dope. And it makes it more authentic. Um, shout out to Paz, by the way. Yeah, shout out to Paz. <laughs> shout out to Paz. Next. Uh, so let's see, uh, we went through Miguel, we went through Claudia and Vic going to be parting ways before the end of the episode. Oh, another new character, Shanti. (laughs) Hey, so Jannard actually has someone who is on his side, who isn't as annoyed by him as the rest of you are. She sees the potential in Jannard. She knows the hard work that he's putting in and she wants to help a brother out. And I am with her. So (laughs) Shanti runs the boxing gym and apparently she is also moving product out of the boxing gym for treason. I'm laughing, guys. You cut. You can't see it because Sam is actually shaking his head as I'm saying all of this. So she owns the boxing uh, gym. She works for Jay, as she affectionately calls him. <laughs> it was so funny, Jay. Hey, Jay. So she pays what she owes and more because remember she comes back over later to give another light envelope with some money because it wasn't a big stack of cash. It was a little one. (laughs) And she comes over and they get it in with (laughs) 
straight backs. And for those of you who don't know that terminology, I was mortified that this girl was on top of Jannard with cornrows going straight back in her head. I was like, God, you really got to love him, right? Like you really got to be in love for you to say, okay, I'm going to do this right now. <laughs> this is how I want, this is how I want our time to be. This is what I want to be remembered as, but we're going to move on from that. <laughs> we're going to move on. Any, any notes about Shanti that you want to come on, that you want to um, say? I mean, I like, I like Shanti. I think she's a, a good character. She's definitely a uh, team Jannard, clearly. Um, I don't really have much to think about her. I, I don't know what she's going to become or, uh, you know, what she'll be willing to do. I, I don't know. I do see it not ending well, um, of course, power. Um, mm. Because, you know, like Courtney Kemp said herself, love don't last in power. Mm-hmm. Ciao. Ciao. So, all right, we got some stipulations for Tommy and Diamond. We, he just doesn't want any trouble to come out of there. And Tommy meets back up with Maria at the bus stop. And he's trying to get her to go in his car with him. She has already warned him of the mortality rate of people who work with her brother. But Tommy, of course, is hard-headed and isn't really worried about that right now. He's dealt with the toughest of the tough, the scariest of the scary, has almost been buried alive. All types of stuff has happened to Tommy at this point. And you telling her him about your scary little brother that has diabetes, eh, I don't really think that he's that phased. But what does get Tommy a little bit frazzled is running to the hospital and seeing DMAC on the floor laying on Kate and JP above them and they're all looking frantic. So he gets to the hospital and DMAC is there. The whole part. What part did I skip? Wasn't um wasn't that when Jannard uh basically had given up the territory and um Miguel had popped up or not Miguel um uh Mirkovich popped up? Yeah, but we we covered that already because oh, I said okay, I okay. didn't like when he got jumped by Mercury. I didn't like him getting jumped oh, by the suburbs. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, say, wait, okay, but yeah, okay. yeah. So I didn't want to belabor it and like keep going over it. Like, yes, they. So Merkovich, he runs down on Tommy and Diamond, and it's not a big, big scene. You just see the Audi pull up and the Serbs jump out, and they fight about how did they get the territory? Why is there a problem? So apparently, Gennard gave territory to the Serbs that really belonged to CBI, and it wasn't his territory to give. So now that's why they jumped Gennard, and they want him to fix it to get the territory back because they want the projects back so that they can peddle their drugs through there. So maybe I should have. I should have said all of that before we get to Shanti and Jannard knocking boots because Jannard is on edge at this point. He didn't think it was going to be Shanti because there was a gun in the couch and he pulls it. And But when he finds out that it's her, you know, he lets his guard down a little bit. Can you imagine? you scared somebody come going to come kill you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, my boo is at the door. So let's just get it in. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. So back to the hospital scene. So we meet, we get to see Maria again, and she ends up helping uh, DMAC because he has now built an infection in his wound that Kate has been taking care of. And the gunshot wound has been infected. She gives him antibiotics. They keep him overnight to flush his system. And Tommy is very thankful. But we also see that Maria or Maria 
has a little boyfriend at work. I don't know how long he's going to be alive now that Tommy saw that. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I also like that too, because, you know, you also don't want to make it seem like all the, every girl in power is easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's kind of like how this, it was the same setup as Tariq and Lauren. Like he met Lauren and like, she was cool. And he found out she had a boyfriend, but it's just like, yeah, but like, he wasn't going to get her right away. You know what I mean? He had to slowly, surely work, work for it. Mm-hmm. So after he leaves the hospital now, so Diamond summons Tommy to tell him that Chewie has split sides and Tommy doesn't wait a second. As a matter of fact, he probably hoped he would do something like this because obviously their reputation is on the line and we can't have people making missteps like this and we don't nip it in the bud and we don't correct it immediately. So what does Tommy do? He does what any good gangster would do. He finds Chewie immediately. And before G Herbo could finish the bar, Chewie yeah. was dead. <laughs> <laughs> great, great uh, G Herbo uh, song too. I was like, okay. Yes, great G Like, I really, really love the music that they picked in this episode. When I heard G Herbo, I busted out laughing. I was like, yo, he's not even, only thing you're going to hear in this scene is just the background music because he's not even going to be able to rap because Tommy's not going to let this guy talk. So said, so done. The guy couldn't even, Chewie couldn't even pull his gun fully out. Only thing you see is his hand just swinging in the air. Just the shots hitting him. And then, you know, that was that. That was that. That was it. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Cla- what I didn't say uh, earlier was about Claudia and Vic argue about her killing the chemist. And that is what led to them. Uh, breaking up their business partnership. They started at the beginning of the episode saying that we're going to have a 50-50 split. All decisions have to be made together. Anything that we want to do, it has to be completely in unison and with one another. And what does Claudia do? Claudia finds out that the recipe for Dahlia is leaked and she immediately goes to the chemist. She pretty much pulls a Tommy, doesn't confer with anyone else, doesn't like the same way how Tommy didn't speak to Diamond about Chewy, about what he was going to do to Chewy. He just went and did it. And yeah, we, talked, we talked about that. Yeah, we did. But okay. talking about Claudia and Vic, about yeah, we how about, we, we didn't about. uh say that they they needed to get together in order before she made the decision on killing the chemist. So Vic was pissed off about that. He's like, I'm not de- dealing with this anymore. We did talk about Walter having a cash flow problem because he can't pay back Doyle because he's hemorrhaging money. And I think that that is going to be his way of leveraging his daughter to get her back on the books to make sure that the books are okay and that they have money coming in. But little does her dad know we don't have any more Dahlia. So now she has to find a way to bring some more money into their organization. Here is where we're about to start wrapping up. And I at you for your predictions for either either you can do for episode two or you can do for the remainder of the season. Hmm. Well, I need my boy Marshall to come back. They, they <laughs> keep dragging it on IMDb because, like every episode that passed, they they take away an episode from uh from Two Bit being in the show. It's like, all right, bro, like like like, is he gonna be in it or not? Like y'all keep advertising that he's in the show and he's not. Wait, you know what? IMDb I'm... has him in nine episodes, but before four started, they had him in ten episodes, and then oh. and then last season they had him in five episodes. It was like, all right, like is he in it or not? Like, but he ended. Up, he didn't make an appearance last season, right? That's no. what I'm saying. 
Like yeah. he hasn't been in it at all. But I I do believe that we will finally get to bit this season. Okay. Alrighty. So that's uh, one of that your is, predictions. That is one of my predictions. Uh, mm-hmm. Another prediction is that um, someone in the organization has to die. Uh, the the Flynn organization. I I don't think they're gonna kill off any of the kids. I don't even think it's Walter, but I think they may drop off Paulie this season. I actually like Paulie. I love Paulie, but I think somebody has to go. Hmm. Okay. Um. It would be nice to see Cooper Sacks. I don't know if that's a thing. You know, I don't. I don't know, but I really would like to see Cooper Sacks make a small appearance. Um, even though obviously we don't know if he is or not, but that would that would be a dope storyline if they can incorporate him being alive in some type of way, or or maybe that's the reason why he gave uh Junior the um, you know, the uh flash drive. Mm-hmm. So maybe that ties in. I I don't know. Uh, but you're right. They they they, they did kind of just leave Blanca like out there, and then that was it. Like, yeah, I, we didn't even see her, and that's where they left off last season. Um, so here are some of my predictions. <clears throat> I think Diamond and Tommy are going to use their rivalry between the Serbs and the Mexicans to their advantage to getting good with Miguel. One less lunatic trying to kill them. Another prediction. I feel like Diamond is going to have to save Gennard. Gennard right now is running low on men and money. Big, big pause right there. <laughs> Let's just pause for a second. <laughs> hey. hey, yo. <laughs> Meanwhile, CBI has a large team and an influx of cash and Shanti's boxing, Shanti's boxing gym, nor her box is going to be able to keep treason afloat. Like that's just not going to be enough. They've already expanded their business talking about Tommy and diamond to online. Because remember D Mac made the suggestion to Tommy about moving the business online and how another way for them to move product. So they have expansion on their side and Gennard does not have that. He is just, just left trying to get bankrolled by Claudia. He has no no influx of cash coming in. And this is just telling me that that Gennard is in dire need, dire need of help from his brother. Whether or not he takes it, I that's up in the air. I think I may need another episode to fully, fully develop if he's really going to do it. But he does. He is going to have to come to that side. I will flip it around so that that diamond actually ends up needing Gennard. Mm-mm. I don't see that dynamic happening. That would be a better storyline, in my opinion, other than it being like the big bro always having to save the little bro. Mm. That's, that's a predictable storyline. Yeah, but this is power and they are kind of predictable sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I have like a really good analogy for Gennard too, uh, because Gennard is like someone you ever heard that joke with like, if you drown with a life vest on, that means you deserve to drown because like, how did you even let that happen? Like, I know that's a bit morbid to say, but right now Gennard is flailing his arms. He knows how to swim and we know he knows how to swim because his swimming is analogous to him running the organization, right? He was able to do that. But now, when we take him out of the pool that has feet markers 
around the perimeter of the pool and we put him in open ocean, he's kind of losing his confidence a little bit. He doesn't have the same safety net of possibly touching the bottom, the pool bottom, the way out he did before. And now that he doesn't have the backup that he used to, he doesn't have his brother like he used to. He also doesn't have the safety of the walls that surrounded him with the pool, meaning like the connects that he had. He doesn't have a good relationship with the Serbs. He's teetering on edge with Miguel. This is why I say he's kind of flailing his arms a little bit. And in addition to him being in open water right now, he's getting in his own, he'll start to get in his own head a little bit. What else is in the water with me? And when the sharks start to smell blood, that's when they'll attack. And I think that he's in that position. Maybe not right now, but it's it's coming. And I think that people are going to start leaving Gennard because they're going to see that his leadership style is isn't as effective when he when all of the bars are aren't clicking. Like when things are clicking, he was leading fine. But because he's under pressure now, I don't know if he's able to hold his composure the way he should, the way how a leader should. Last prediction from me. I think you're sleeping I, on Jannar, but you know, I feel like he, I feel like he's gonna get it together. I hope he does. I want him to. But for the way how they're pushing his character, I think that Gennard doesn't have it all together right now. It's all character development. Could he? Yes, he could. I think that he should. But I think that he's getting in his own head a little bit, especially with what happened between him feeling that his brother chose Tommy over him. My last prediction. This one. Yeah, we'll see. Um, my last prediction, this one is probably a given and people are going to probably roll their eyes at this one. But I think Maria is going to fall victim to the New York boy. <laughs> I oh, think. <laughs> but some questions that I have I don't for think it'll be. I don't think it'll be before episode five. Okay. Do y'all think that she'll make it out of the season alive? I'll leave that. I'll leave us on that note. So. You can chime in in the comments uh, when we release the episode. Do you think Maria is going to make it out of this season alive? As a matter of fact, you can all actually put your predictions of who you think is going to live and who you think is going to die. I think that Miguel will make it out. I think Miguel will be in all of the episodes this season because if they do that same foolishness where they kill the connect by episode nine, I'm going to scream. I don't Uh, think that they're going to do that. I'm tired tired of connects dying. Norma need to be in. And goes for the next four seasons. <laughs> Not four. <laughs> yeah, because I'm tired of I mean, Connect's I'm glad she made it out of this season. Yeah, because but... the next dying is corny now. Yeah, it, it's kind of corny. Uh, so we'll see. So thank you, everyone. This has been Chronicles of Power. Thank you again to Mr. Sam for Power is Fire. You are such a blessing and so dope to talk to about power. <laughs> Bye.